0: Hi everyone, Shannon Tipton here and welcome to the Learning Rebels Coffee Chat, where all the cool L&D peeps hang out. While you're here, don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on future chats. Today, the cool kids are talking about creative ideas for debriefing and reflection in learning. We know that giving participants the time to connect lessons to learning to action is important to adult learners and a key part of the psychological learning process. By providing opportunities to reflect on content, coupled with a structured debrief process, you increase the chances of learners being successful back on the job when recalling what they've learned becomes most critical. So why aren't we incorporating this technique more often? So the big question on the table today is, what are your creative solutions for debriefing and learning reflection? How can we incorporate these ideas into face-to-face, virtual and online training experiences? So without further ado, Let's get to it. All right, here we are. Coffee chat. Today we are discussing debriefing and reflection techniques. Now, here's the thing one of the decisions that I made regarding the Learning Rebels community, as well as the coffee chat moving forward, is to try to build themes let's try to connect this to an overarching learning theme, if you will, for us. So that way we can continue to help each other build our skills and capabilities. And the theme that I'm going with for March is collaboration. And one of the areas for collaboration for me is how are we getting people together? How are we getting them to talk about what they've learned, and how we can lead that conversation. That's what we're talking about today. And next week, we're a little off schedule next week because I'm going to be on vacay the week after. And so next week, we're discussing creating a safe environment. So when you think about collaboration, how do we create that safe environment for people to contribute? And taking the skills that we are going to discuss today, these reflection skills, these debriefing skills, and applying that to creating a safe environment for people. So that's the method behind my madness as we move through 2023, and I'm looking forward to having these conversations with everybody. So now let's kick this off. Today, talking about, like I said, debriefing and reflection. When we think about debriefing and reflection, that is all about allowing people to have the time to sit on what they've learned and time to think about what they've learned and how we can be good guides, right? Not take over the debriefing conversation or leading them to think how you want them to think. How can we create that space that's going to allow for some proper reflection? And I'm going to throw it over to you. And the question on the table is, what are your practices? What are your best tips? What are some of the techniques that you use to bring people into the debriefing conversation and also to allow for reflection within the learning space? So I'm going to throw it over to you. Tell me, how do you make reflection work in your training programs right now? What are some of your barriers or, like I said, some of your tips and techniques? Who's going to kick off this conversation for me?
1: Yeah. So back in the good old times when we had instructor-led <laughs> The good old days. A <laughs> hundred years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I think it's starting even with the design is to make sure that if there is an activity that you actually allow more time for the debrief, almost like sometimes it may be twice as much time for the debrief as there was for the actual activity because that's where the real Mm -hmm. learning occurs. Mm -hmm. So that was one thing. And I think you put in it the so what. So, I mean, even following the what, so what, now what, the so what is really critical and should not be abbreviated under any circumstances. And it also should be an open-ended question and allow people time for that question to sit and think before they respond. So when you had the debrief, years ago again instructor led there was a module it was on communication and miscommunication and the whole bit and and opportunities to improve communication so a short snippet of Abbott and Costello's comedy routine who's on first was played and so the designer had written wonderful debrief questions about communication and the whole bit the facilitator stops at the end ignores what was in the kind of like the facilitator's guide and just goes what makes comedy so funny? it was like, (laughs) that is not a good degree question. (laughs) So it was a missed opportunity. And that was 20 plus years. And I still remember like, oh my God. Like, but it needs to be questions where people have time to reflect. And in online learning and whatnot, I actually make sure that there's kind of like a reflection Page or journal, or there's a part of whatever the participant guide is to reflect. And then also, based on that, kind of like actions. So there's your so what and your now what. So to make those connections. So
0: I love that example. That happens all the time, right? When we think about failures, like what you just described, we could do a whole other, and we have, do a whole other chat on train the trainers. And the importance of train the trainers. And a lot of times they don't
1: understand why we put questions like that in the guide. Right. Or trainers say, like, well, that's too hard. So I'm not going to ask that because then there wasn't the control of what might come out. So it's also about trusting. And I mean, we would have in our debrief like possible responses. Right? So you can kind of like help direct mm-hmm. some things if you need to or redirect. But yeah, it's on the debrief. It's to not go off script. <laughs> Basically, there's there's a reason for them. But I think you touched on something really important with the
0: facilitator's guide. And I do that too, Maureen, is I give people debrief questions, but I also give them answers to listen for. So I'm curious if anyone else uses that kind of a technique.
2: No, and listening to Maureen, And doing my facilitations as well, you know, really, I think begs the question about an element of coaching that comes up when you're doing, you know, your facilitation, especially in an ILT, because Maureen, to your point, like, I think the reason why sometimes a lot of facilitators ignore a debrief or maybe it's just one and it's not a really like, let's try to soak, really get into this, is because they're afraid and concerned that they're going to get something that they're not prepared for. And so I guess I even wonder, like, does some of what might not come about in providing debriefings or reflections in some of the training that we do when, especially when it's instructor-led, is because there's a concern that the facilitator From either themselves or people who are creating the training that then give over that guide. Don't think a facilitator is going to be able to handle something that may be triggering, that may be um, just difficult. So that's one thing that came up Mm -hmm. that I was just like, oh, Maureen's making like a really interesting point. And then another thing that I was thinking about is I think this is why the flipped classroom idea is really great because it can provide that opportunity for making sure all of the initial content consumption happens offline so that then when you are doing something, especially in a virtual format, it can be all about debriefing and reflection. And hopefully, those are going to be meeting conversations. But then that goes back to, and Maureen's right underneath me, and that's why I'm pointing down. Can that facilitator handle that? Do they feel confident and comfortable in being able to dive deep in getting that type of reflection?
0: Right. And that goes directly back to that whole, you know, train trainer type of thing. Are we training up facilitators to be able to debrief appropriately and setting them up for success? as well. And like I said, we could do, and we have a whole other hour on just having that particular conversation. And I'm looking at the chat and I'm seeing a lot of really great comments in the chat, But I'm going to back up inside it. And I see a comment here by Michael. So Michael, I'm not sure if you want to come off mic and build on the comment that you had there, which was, you know, be sure that we're including everyone. Right. Sending out notes and topics ahead of time, not only facilitators, but for people, including time for people to talk first and then think, you know, so giving people again that space and reflection time. So, Michael, would you like to build on that? Right. There's a balance. Right, Michael. So how do you manage that out of curiosity? So you've got people in your class who are the thinkers, the ones who have to ponder a question before you know, they actually spout out an answer and those who are happy just to shout it out. How do you balance that? Right, right. It's like, let's give that person sitting in the corner a chance to talk, right? But I like the word that you use there, you know, moderators. I, You know, when it comes to debriefing exercises and reflection exercises, we put the facilitator hat aside and bring that moderator hat and let them guide the conversation. So I really appreciate your choice of words there, Michael. Thank you for that. And I see Andrew's hand. Hi,
2: Andrew.
3: So something I do, I'm really conscious of, so speaking to Michael's point is always be aware, particularly in online spaces, that you give women opportunity to speak before men. Data is clear. If men speak first, women are up to 70% less likely to contribute to a conversation.
0: Interesting
3: which is really important so that there's that part of it so from a facilitation perspective when you're looking for feedback don't look to the men first look to the women first and then a woman hears a woman and a woman will then follow through and will then speak next whereas if a man speaks first a woman like I say is up to 70% less likely to speak so that's just an aside the reason I put my hand up was because I think it's about the what I call the three A's so why are you doing the follow-up and for the individual it'll be one of three A's it will either be for awareness so it's something that they already knew through doing this exercise and they just needed to be made aware of it. It's for acquisition. It's something they didn't know, but it's now new knowledge for them. Or actually most important is application. So how I take what I've learned and use it in the workplace. And so if you focus the feedback on the application side, that's where you're going to get the best conversation. So by saying to people, so you spent time learning about time management, how is it going to impact on the way you do your job? What kind of things will you do differently in your work as a result of this? And so focus the conversation around the application piece, and that avoids it just being a conversation about how good the content was.
0: Yes, absolutely. And just by incident here, I see Dr. Laurie with us. I love that. Dr. Laurie just rolls off the tongue there. She said the very same thing you just said, Andrew, which is a lot of my debrief is how do we apply this tool? How do we apply this learning? How can I use this today? So, Dr. Lori, would you like to uh, come off mute and also build on that thought? Sure, absolutely. One of my huge things
4: I'd like to do is um, give journals to the people that I'm working with. That way, um, during the class or the training, I'm doing um, both online and in person trainings. And my in person trainings, it's awesome just because I can see when they're journaling, which is really great. And a lot of times I provide times for them to journal and to write down a lot of reflection of what they're thinking mostly in the leadership classes. And then these people go and they have teams. So actually trying to figure out, okay, so you learn this new tool, let's say it's active listening, right? Okay, how are you gonna apply active listening? Who are you going to listen to? Who do you need to listen to? Write all this down in your journal, think about it. And then um, I think it was Maureen was talking about introverts introverts or extroverts, you know, I can't remember everything. So, you know, I write it down in my journal too, or write notes, and then they can take that and go back because you all know this. You take a class, right? For two hours, you leave, you totally forget everything because you get bogged down into the day-to-day stuff. So with that journal, they each set an alarm. So um, at the end of the day, the alarm goes off and they get to look in their journals And to say, you know, what am I forgetting? What did I not do? And that's the day after the class. So, you know, the class is one day and the day after the class at the end of the day, bing, then they look in their journals. It's just something to remind them like, okay, got it. And that's another time to reflect and to think. So those are some of the things I do. But the biggest thing, as you were saying before, is how do I use this in my day-to-day? How can I use this tool? How can I use this theory? How can I use this learning? And um, I think that is so important because we talk about it in class. We practice it in class. But actually getting to use it, I think that's the most important thing.
0: Totally agree with that. And for those of you who were part of the Learn Something New with Rachel Burnham, remember she did the sketch noting, Learn Something New. And one of the research items that she brought to the forefront was the importance of journaling. And not just journaling and writing down your thoughts per se, exactly. But she said, you know, a lot of people are just visual thinkers, right? And so then just allowing them to write or doodle, you know, there was a lot of connection between doodling and retention of information. And she said, give them the journals, but don't tell them what they have to write. Let them, if they want to doodle, let them doodle. If they want to write specific notes, let them write specific notes. If they want to just draw, you know, abstract flowers or rainbows or butterflies, let them do that too, you know. So the key here, and I like where you were going with this, um, Dr. Lori, is that we don't have to be the key holders of this, you know, just give them the space to let them write or do whatever it is that they feel like they need to do that's going to help them connect learning. You know, so I appreciated that when Rachel said it in our Learn Something New. And I appreciate that, you know, Dr. Laura, you're bringing that up, too, because I I appreciate allowing people to have time to write things down and give that space, right? Okay, uh, what else we got here? So, you know, we got some people asking for that data, Andrew. So if you can put that in there about allowing women to talk first, that would be great,
3: I will. I'm trying to find where I filed it. It's one of those things that I filed so well.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We've all done that, right? Oh, this name sounds obvious, but then I can't find it later. Oh, okay. So Dr. Laura, you got out the journal book. Like it. Plugs are okay. You can plug yourself. Anyone else? So now what are some of your other favorite techniques for allowing that reflection time? So what's the process like? How do you introduce this to the group? Because for some people who've been in training sessions, this might be a new concept, may have worked with facilitators before that just, you know, are trying to fit that 50 pound bag of potatoes into a 10 pound sack. And reflection time is not part of the regular session. And so now how do you introduce reflection time to the group?
1: I think you need to deliberately plan for it. And let people know even early on that a key part of the learning is to be able to reflect on what is there and explain to them, you know, how you're going to go about doing that and where is that place to kind of capture those thoughts and don't cut it short. Don't put it at the, oh yeah, we'll have time at the end for that. Like you have to deliberately add in reflection time.
0: What you're saying is giving them some warning?
1: hmm Yep. And I mean, I call it sometimes like guided note-taking, you know, that it's there also to collect those thoughts, but just plant the seed early on. I want you to reflect and this is for you. And, and, you know, we may be sharing out later. You're letting people know that they're going to be, they will be, they will be not only reflecting, but sharing. So it doesn't catch people by surprise. So. Because that can be paralyzing too, when you just
0: mm-hmm. throw it on people. And sometimes I put that in the communication that goes out even before the class to let them know that that's going to be happening. Is that a technique you've used Maureen?
1: Yes and then you know I was even on you know something yesterday and it usually is I mean it's the end of you know webinar it's like what is one key insight or takeaway you have from this and you know, and then the chat just fills up or blows up, and it takes longer. I mean, there might be a couple people who do stuff, and then it just like takes off. You can't even keep up with all of the what's up there. But mm-hmm. again, it's right. there. And to think about even that, and then again, not only the reflection, but then what is the action? What are you committing to doing differently? You know, or how are you going to apply right. this? So it goes back to what Andrew said, what Dr. Lori said. It You know, it's not just to reflect to reflect, but like. Right. The so what and the now what? Absolutely. Yes. And that ties into what, Eveline? Yes.
0: Okay. Right. <laughs> Thank right. you. That goes right to your point in the chat. So please build on what you've written there.
5: Yeah, so I'm teaching in higher education and I do some trainings in corporations or uh, organizations. So what I normally do is at the end of each session and they are not obliged to tell it to everyone, to the group, but it's only to take with them and to reflect on it. And they can communicate with me about it if they want. That is to give three new words or insights to sum up do things for themselves that makes them curious and that they want to dive deeper into that content or knowledge and one thing that they will try to change from today or tomorrow. Uh, what I also do in the beginning and that I didn't write is if I start a new uh, workshop or a new lesson, or a new week, a new lesson with my students, for example, then I ask, yes, with the content that we have seen last week and the observations and what you live through during the week, do you see any connections? Mm. So that's also a kind of reflection. I like
0: that. Yeah, but they know they have to reflect a lot. with <laughs> <laughs> Right. So they're used to it. Right. So if we go to one of your classes, we yeah. know we're going to be expected to do that.
5: Yes, yes, yes. It's also important because I often ask my individual learners, I will say, uh, for core questions. And that is from the course on, what makes you curious? Do you think that you can use also your experience that you have already in this course? Do you think it's useful? And do you think it's important for your future goals? Oh, And that they don't have to answer me directly, but it's also for to go from motivation to engagement. If you ask that questions, they go to the core, why they are following the course.
0: I like that. Would you mind repeating those four questions, please? Yes. (laughs) So first I ask, does the subject make you curious? eh? Does it trigger
5: you also to learn more? Can you... Use your experience and knowledge that you have already within the course. Mm -hmm. Is the course useful? Because maybe it goes too slowly or too fast. It can also be. It's not useful for my time, for example. And the fourth question is, will it help to catch my future goals?
0: And so do you have them write the answers out as part of a journaling process? Or is it something that's discussed out loud? How are you organizing that?
5: At the moment, I don't oblige them to do that. And normally, I prefer that they communicate that with a neutral person, not with me, because certainly in higher education, I'm also responsible for the grades. So I don't want to enter with that role that I have. And in fact, the method that I use is a kind of ongoing conversation. So, for example, every one or two weeks, they have those questions and they say to the person or they fill it in and then with the data I have of all the students and learners the second conversation is in fact between the individual and the group
0: so that's a great pair and share activity right so you can break them up into pairs and let them have these sorts of conversations I think are really great reflection opportunities I love this this is a great idea a couple of the questions that you're stating here are questions that you might find on a level one type of evaluation. But I think that bringing them to the forefront and having a robust conversation around it with a partner or within a small group, they can then bring parts of the training to the forefront and say, this part really did help me, you know, and this is how, you know, so I I think that that's a great spin on that. So thank you.
5: Yeah, and also, for example, when somebody say, no, it's useless for me because the course is going too slow, then it means that he or she has already a lot of experiences, knowledge about that subject. So, and then you can match make them and give them the opportunity to help another student with their learning part. And it's another way also of learning to explain it to somebody else and that I'm trying to do with my groups.
0: So thanks for that. I, I love this technique. And I think it's very applicable. I see, do see some, it's like, I got questions, I got hands. I got questions, I got hands. Let's go with Dr. Lori first. So Dr. Lori, I see your hand. So let's jump there first.
4: Well, I can help with a question too. back T-Man had a question about virtual uh-huh. learning. And one of the things I do for reflection with virtual learning is I give an exercise. The first, you know, talk about the theory, talk about what it is, blah, blah, blah and do an exercise. And usually experiential exercises And some people don't finish like what other people finish, you know, how y'all do exercises and some people really fast and some people are really slow and some people are in the middle. But what I do is I have the exercise and I have a break and I say, you know, we're going to do the exercise for 10 minutes and then we're going to have like a Mm -hmm. 15 minute break. And I want you to take a break, finish the exercise and then do the reflection and maybe send them a couple of questions for the reflection. So then when they come back, they're ready to share everything that they've done. So kind of incorporating that, I started doing it just to save time, to tell you the truth, because I'm like really high energy when I do my online training and I'm huge extrovert. So sometimes I'm like really in your face. And so sometimes I have to like slow it down. And that's when my, um, I've been really working on reflection lately. So I'm so thrilled about this topic, Shannon. And like I said, putting it with that break really helps, you know, keep the energy up in the training. Number two, it helps the people that are super fast because they can take a longer break. And then it helps people that are super slow because it gives them the time and they don't have to worry about, oh, I'm holding up everybody. And then it also gives that reflection time as well so they can turn their video off. And another thing too, is I have people go outside and walk, They're like a walking reflection. Mm-hmm. Yep. I do an exercise called Socrates. And if you all know who Socrates is, I'm going to just share my exercise with you it's an exercise for questioning. Socrates came up with the Socratic method. We ask questions and questions. So I have, um, usually it's two partners and I have people that are online, actually call each other on the phone. So I do this online, but they call each other on the phones and they have to actually go outside and walk. So you go outside and walk. And for the first five minutes, the one person says, Socrates, here's my problem. And all Socrates can do is ask questions, not leading questions. Like, have you thought of this? And asking what questions. So that's kind of like my Socrates thing. So they go do that and then they come together and then they talk about was your problem solved, blah, blah, blah. But there's a lot of reflecting too, because it's hard to be Socrates. I mean, can you imagine this? Only ask a question when you really want to solve a problem for them. <laughs> so just a whole lot of like debriefing and reflection after that. So thanks for letting me share.
0: That's a really interesting exercise. There's something to be said about connecting with nature and helping you think and helping you process ideas. So that's a that's a really powerful thing to do. And from a virtual perspective as well, you know, you can do that live, you can do that virtually, you can do that in all sorts of environments, maybe not so much e-learning, but you know, you could figure out a way to do that in e-learning if you did a video that was nothing but nature, right? So you incorporated a two minute video of nature sounds, you know, allowing people that time to reflect on things that just occurred in their e-learning program. So I can see where it could be incorporated in a variety of different ways. You know, so I think that that's a wonderful idea. And let's jump here to Andrew. So Andrew had a question within the chat, which was, I don't know, Andrew, if you want to expand on this, but you said, shouldn't it be the manager asking the reflection questions? So you guys know, I have an opinion, but I'm really interested in what everybody else has to say about that question.
3: Yeah, I have an opinion too, so I want to hear what everybody else says.
1: We're
0: all loaded with opinions.
1: I think it depends on the question or the nature of the reflection. So if it is something about the reflection and how it will be applied or something, then yes, I mean, like the manager can be asking that question, but in general, I don't know. I mean, it's adult learners. So sometimes it's more intimidating if it comes from somebody where there's the direct relationship as, is it Evelyn just mentioned? Like as the instructor in a course where you're grading somebody, it might not be as psychologically safe for those questions to be Mm -hmm. answered as it is in another forum and somebody who's not, with whom you do not have a direct reporting relationship.
0: I would agree with what you said, Derek. Anyone else have an opinion or a thought?
6: My thoughts are to stay out of this as much as possible because I design training for the trainers in the classroom a little bit. But most of the time I'm designing e-learning, any kind of online interactive simulation, stuff like that. So I am here to absorb as a sponge the knowledge that has permeated this virtual room.
0: Do you have anything that you're using now? That you think is working?
6: Yeah, I wanna try some things that I don't know if you saw me kind of pointing at you. Like when you said that earlier, I've already had the idea of the nature sound, the wonderful ethereal video to kind of watch as you reflect and stuff like that. Getting buy in, I think I'm just gonna break the rules and do it because that's what I do anyway, I break rules. But I would like to put that into a current course I'm working on right now. Uh, And it's for banking. So let's upset
0: upset that Apple
6: part. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I think we could do something in there to get them to reflect. I just want to see if I can find like, you know, some kind of royalty free video that's perfect and embed it right in the page because I'd rather not have them go anywhere outside the e-learning shell. So that
0: totally makes sense. Yeah. And in that case, you can give them, you know, questions for which to ponder. Right. And you can give them, you know, here's some examples of where you want to go with that. So I think to go back to Andrew's point, it might be and to connect with Maureen as well. It's the TIA. And then we can see where the conversation goes from there. So I don't know if Andrew, do you want to share what your thoughts are?
3: Absolutely. The evidence from Charles Jennings' work, and this is clear, the people who have the most impact on someone's learning and development in the workplace is not learning and development. It is the manager. So the way the manager proposes, supports, and reacts to an individual learning activity in the workplace is pretty clear. I've just pasted a comment of his in the chat. You know, I mean, we trust, you know, Charles Jennings when he talks about 70, 20, 10. you know, we should trust him when he talks about managers as well. So for me, the feedback there has to be an element of feedback and reflection taking place by the employee with the line manager. And I saw the comments about control and so on as well and power relationships, et cetera. But you work for the line manager. That's the nature Mm -hmm. of the relationship. So the line manager has invested time and potentially money in you learning something that's going to improve the way you do your job. It seems to me quite reasonable that a line manager should be able to ask someone how are you then going to use that in the workplace?
0: That's a missed trick on our part where we could and should create an after let's assume this is happening in you know some sort of formal training setting right so we're in an ilt environment where the manager may not be present so then part of the learning design then right andrew how do we bring managers into this conversation What does that follow up with the managers look like? And you guys have heard me say this a bajillion times about the importance of activating managers in the learning process. This is another way to do that, if I'm understanding you correctly.
3: Exactly. It's the thing I talk about all the time is moving from shopkeepers to engineers. Learning development is not a shopkeeper. Learning development should be an engineer, which means working with the line managers in the workplace to be able to support an individual in the way that they develop. So that's not just selling them content, which people then do. Everybody ticks and says they're really happy with, but actually it's a conspiracy of convenience because everybody can say conspiracy, a but convenience. nothing changes. Yes, yeah, conspiracy of convenience. There's a business problem. And so the business say this is a problem. They go to the learning function who go, we can do something about that. And the business and the learning function does something, whether that be it's a face-to-face course or online learning or whatever. And the people do the thing that is produced, the learning module or whatever. Business can say they highlighted the problem, tick. Learning development say they did something, tick. Individuals can say they did the thing, tick. But nothing changes because fundamentally it's not about having a conversation about producing stuff. It's a conversation about improving performance.
0: The conspiracy of convenience. That's true. I think that there is a way where we could be more inclusive of the manager ranks because a lot of times I believe this may not be true across the board, but we just forget to include them because we don't really consider their role in this process. But we all know that culture will eat strategy for lunch every day of the week. We know this to be true. The line manager is the linchpin behind culture. And if you want a culture of learning, then we have to bring managers into this process and into the reflection process. So I think that this is a very important point that you're bringing up, Andrew. So thank you for that. Eveline, I see your hand. If I see how I do it and I have to
5: include the manager, he is one of the people I interview. I have conversations with, and he has the same questions, and he's treated as another individual. And I also ask to all individuals, but especially also to him, what are your concerns? And I can take it and I can give it back to the group and vice versa for for every individual. But what a problem is if you stay too much in roles of people and to categorize people, that can become a problem i have seen a lot of learning communities or groups of people who are learning who are blocked because we put a role on the front of on the front head of the people it's much more interesting to see at what motivates somebody to take the course or to participate in the conversation and that will bring
0: you much further than to stay with those fixed roles yeah Oh, you're absolutely right. And I and we can have a whole other conversation, I think we have about, you know, helping people come together, not thinking about them as as being so different, right? You know, or putting them into buckets, you know, and the managers unfortunately do get placed in certain buckets, you know, of whether or not they're helpful or not helpful or control freaks or people who don't trust or what have you. I believe that we would be Pleasantly surprised to find out that there are a lot of managers out there who are as invested in the learning of their people as we are. You know, so if we could activate them beginning of the process to include them after the training process, I think we'll see greater success. So I appreciate all of that. Now, as far as reflection and debriefing activities, I want to get to laid back T man whose name is actually Todd get to him and his question was about you know some virtual and e-learning type and Todd I don't know if you saw Dr. Laurie there who said that she'll send you a video of the gulf in Florida if you want it clearly Dr. Lori we all need to take this coffee chat and do a face-to-facer at your place I think that's what's required next pina coladas margaritaville right so let's talk about that real quick. Let's talk about specific techniques around virtual debriefing or and or e-learning debriefing while we have about 10 more minutes left on the clock. So Kathy, go ahead. I see your hand. Yeah, I
7: kind of have been listening and thinking about a lot of this stuff because I work in an association and all of our training is e-learning. All of it. I'm the only trainer in the association. I don't train anybody live at all. So they just take an e-learning course. So obviously I can't be present to debrief and ask a question and say, hey, everybody hop on this webinar after the fact. It's not happening. Okay. It's not. So I'm truly in the process right now of revamping our training because it doesn't include anything associated with a debrief or a reflection. It's just, you know, again, the, the old adage of taking the fire hose the mm-hmm. spring. Well, that's all we do right now. And we have to evolve. And I love some of the things that I've been hearing, you know, within this call that, you know, I'm going to try to incorporate, you know, the point of, uh, I think it was Dr. Laurie was saying, you make them think about something, you know, as they come into the session. So it's not just a, let's just start, it's, listen, let's reflect on this, and not a what do you want to get out of it, or why are you here, but try to apply it, or think about this scenario, how does it relate to you, again, doing something Mm -hmm. experiential, if you can, to start out, again, so they understand why they were, you know, start out with some type of reflection setting, and then, you know, I was reading Maureen had a comment earlier on points, payoffs, processes, pitfalls, you know. Trying to incorporate some of that in there, not from just one point of view of, you know, what can you do with it, but look at it from a perspective of how do you mitigate risk with this? If you're learning something, how do you mitigate things, not just, you know, how do you apply it? So just thinking from a lot of different directions. I really like that to maybe try to put a little exercise in there and even putting an activity at the end instead of just saying, summarize the learning objectives, it's tr- really trying to make them apply that. Somebody commented, you know, earlier in the chat, like three things you learned in one action item that you're going to commit to, you know, as part of doing this. So again, instead of just putting a quiz at the end and checking their learning, it's really trying to add something that's more an activity that they can take away. Now, granted, I'm not there, so they could take it and, you know, chuck it in the garbage, but. If I don't even put it in there to begin with. Then you know for sure it's not happening. Right. No, absolutely. And maybe it can go so far as, you know, we're talking about managers and getting them engaged. Maybe it's one of those, go to your supervisor and talk to them mm-hmm. about this and share this with them so that they, you know, understand that management should care and, and maybe get them engaged and help them understand how our courses or the course that they were watching can help them. So... A lot of good stuff was shared today. So again, I don't have anything to actively share that we're doing, but those are my thoughts of how I can incorporate some of that in the e-learning. I disagree with you, Kathy.
0: You absolutely shared something great. You know, it's the idea of oftentimes I am not an e-learning developer. It's a service that we offer, but it's kind of like behind the magic curtain. It's not something that I put up front. But when we do create it, I think a lot of times people go, well. Who knows if they're going to do it? They're not going to do it. So I'm not going to put it in. But you're right. If you don't, then you know for sure they're not going to do it. Right? So at least we're giving people the opportunity. The ones who really are invested in building their skills, we're giving them an opportunity to allow them to do so. So I love your perspective on that. So I think that that was a great share. So thank you, Kathy. Todd, I see your hand.
6: I was just going to comment kind of Kathy's same place with reflection actually, maybe a half step forward because really trying to get in. I've just finished working with designing a new program template for program guide that it color codes information, it alphanumerically codes information, and it includes transitional speaking points for the trainers, and it includes call outs for the company that is merging with us to know the difference specifically that they have in a niche area that needs to be called out, how it's different now that they're training along with our new methods and things like that. And what we built in there was, even though it's VILT, merged with a self-study of e-learning, what we built in is, you know, uh, called uh, LTPs because it's corporate America and we must absolutely have an acronym for (laughs) everything, so it's easier to... (laughs) Actually, a it, it true works statement. In no way. They're called learner touch points. And sometimes we'll take the part where we send them off to do the e-learning and then say, stop halfway through the page. After you finish this exercise, come back. And then we're going to, we're going to talk about this. What did you experience? And then we're going to go on to the second set of exercises. So you're giving the facilitator a little more time to kind of introduce ideas and share topics and And say, hey, now that we've looked at the first half of this process, let's see how the second half is really different or how, you know, this changes or you need to do this. And then we have more interactive exercises built in there for Mm hands-on practice. So we're trying in a large corporation to turn the Titanic. But, you know, it's obviously something that takes time. It takes buy-in, you know, especially if you're coming in. As was a contractor like I am right now. It's like, you know, you're trying to remind them I've done a lot of consulting. I'm not just the idiot boy. You throw stuff to build over here. You know, it's like, I want to tell you what other companies are doing and mm-hmm. what's working and what I said. And thankfully the company I'm with is really appreciative of that and really accepting of a lot of new ideas and running forward with some of them on their own. So, but, you know, I think, one of the things we shouldn't leave out is the instruction sets mm-hmm. are different. You have to write more empathetic instruction sets. I use a lot more scenarios. So I put them into situations and scenarios. So so reflection might start out with, okay, you read the scenario of Jane. Now let's take a minute that you're Jane. What does your life feel like? You're you, you just started Great this question. new position. You're crazy running around and you really need to get your head clear on this new process. What's the easiest way to go? Can I go to my manager? Can I go to my instructor? Can I go to the back to the training exercises and practice those? You're kind of working in a different type of reflection, adding in that e-learning component to it. But you're also writing instructions. You try to keep them short because you don't read. <laughs> um, but you make them a little more, a little more empathetic. Oh, there was another point I was going to say, but I think I lost it in my old age. See, I had a birthday and I
0: shouldn't. (laughs) It's all the birthday's fault. (laughs)
6: 3% more now. I forget 3% more.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) It's the birthday's fault. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start blaming the birthday, not my brain. But I think you bring up a really great point. It's those intersections. Those intersections of connection that we bring into e-learning programs and how we write those you know, where we can try not to write instruction from an instructor perspective, you know, not from a teachy-teachy perspective. It's about, you know, bringing in, like we're having a conversation here, right? And and how can we make it sound like that?
6: At the risk of probably triggering some people, I'm gonna say I've met a lot of uptight instructional designers who, you know, are all about their master's degree and, and less about really getting to know people and understanding the shoes they walk in. And, you know, what we're all called to walk in another's footsteps mm-hmm. every day and experience what they experience. So, you know, the more humble we are about it, the more accepting we are of their challenges. I mean, I used to work, to spend about 13 years, designing what once upon a time wasn't the online college, but my boss put together a team to actually build the future of online learning. And it was a great experimental team to be on, lots of R and D and lots of testing and and stuff like that. I mean, you gotta understand that in an e-learning situation, it's different than classroom. Classroom is utopia. You have (laughs) them locked in a room or you have them even in a VILT on the screen. But with 100% e-learning design, you have a crying baby in the background, a tumbling dryer full of clothes. You've got a stack of bills next to the computer that he's looking at, or she's looking at, and you have all these other distractions and things going on. So, you know, if there's an easier way to say, maybe use an audio recording to read the instructions to them or something, maybe to ask them to put on headphones or go to a quiet area where they can have some reflection time alone or quiet time or whatever there's different ways you got to think about being in in the learner's shoes and I'd love it if we could like one day put together this compilation of all the different ways that people learn at home in their abode when they're you know I mean who's got the cat on their head who's got their you know (laughs) their their uh (laughs) serious head on right who's got the music jams in the background and you know who's dropping a gummy before class (laughs) and all that stuff.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's a survey question. I I, I who here has dropped a gummy before class? Uh, That's there, there's your level one question. But I think you are absolutely correct. And it's probably worthy of a a coffee chat topic in the future is is to talk about you know e-learning in of itself. However, that said is we are at the top of the hour. So here we are, an hour has flown by yet again. And I think the moral of the story here is if you don't build it in, to Kathy's point, if you don't build it in, it's not going to get done. Whether that's virtual, e-learning, live, if you don't build in that reflection time and appropriate reflection time, so understanding that each one of these modalities is handled differently, for sure, you know, and the timing of it is different, for sure, then, you know, but it's part of the structure. It's it's good learning design to build in reflective moments. And the different sorts of techniques that we talked about here today, hopefully will, will inspire you and give you some additional ideas as to where and how to build those in, and then how further to handle that debriefing conversation, you know, when those reflection moments happen. So this has been great. I've got a lot of notes, got a lot of ideas. The chat area has been robust. And there's a few of you who made some really interesting comments that I didn't get a chance to get to. So I apologize for that. But we'll be able to carry this conversation on when we talk again next week. And don't forget that, we do have the community which is live and all every single one of the coffee chat resources from 2022 and here in 2023 are all located in that community. And that's, I, and I was going through some of those resources like, Holy cow, this is an encyclopedia of resources that together, not me, you together We have built, you know, so I'm super excited to be able to have now this curated place for you to take advantage of. And so before we officially launch next week, you can still get in on the OG floor of our community. So I I hope to see some of you there and I hope to see you all at the coffee chat next week. So once again, thank you, everybody, for your contributions today. It's been inspiring. Andrew, thank you, Stella. Thank you. Thank you, Stella, for always showing up. I know that you and Andrew are there at Cocktail Hour over there. And Eveline, same with you. Thank you so much for joining. And I hope to see you guys all next week. I hope you have a great weekend. Anyone doing something fun this weekend?
3: Audio editing for a podcast. Oh,
0: editing podcasts. Well, for you, that might be fun. For me, it's like, ah, the sound yes. of my voice. Eveline, I saw you nod your head. What are you doing this weekend? I have a really, really, really happy weekend. Thank you everyone for hanging with us for another Learning Rebels Coffee Chat. Well, this was a busy conversation. I could hardly keep up with all the thoughts and ideas being shared, but there was one thing that resonated with me the most. It's all about structure. Now, as Kathy stated, you might be cynical about building reflection activities into your e-learning programs, but if you don't build them in, then people absolutely won't have the chance to do it. So don't build your programs assuming people won't take advantage of reflection time. As we discussed with Todd, perhaps you can have a soothing reflective three minute video that allows people to journal or absorb the learning or just simply think. Something built into your programs is better than nothing. And as Michael and Dawn stated, if you don't train your facilitators about the importance of reflection time, they will simply take it out because to them, it will be superfluous. It might be redundant. The why for both trainers and participants becomes critical. Andrew left us with the thought about the conspiracy of convenience, which was first coined by David Wilson of the Fosway Group out in the UK. In short, it's about how at times, managers and L&D people get together and they agree to do the thing that is most convenient, not necessarily the thing that will get the biggest result. So as I said, there was so much to take in and I hope that there was an idea or two that resonated with you. Now you wanna join us live and you know you do, go on over to learningrebels.com, check out the events page and sign on up. In the meantime, stay curious, be rebellious and take over the world. Bye for now.